Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Mana. Happy Solo Shot Saturday, everybody. We have an awesome show for you, recapping the season that has been and priming you for what has now been made the best week of the year in Major League Baseball. Yes, the final full week of the season is here. Only one more solo shot Saturday of the regular season. And a player that I feel like I've given his flowers, I've given his team a lot of credit throughout the season, is Ronald Acuna and the Atlanta Braves. And I understand that it's boring to talk about the guys that are dominating sometimes. People want to hear about other stories and other players' greatness. But I never want to take away from someone else's greatness. And Ronald Acuna accomplished something not just being the first player ever with 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases but joining the 40 40 club bashed over 40 homers he's caught up to Mookie Betts in the power department which is the thing that was really making this an MVP race and on this date in baseball history I almost made it my throwback third base topic Jose Canseco became the first player to go 40-40 in the majors on this date in 1988. In those 35 years since, it has been a mixed bag of guys that have been able to do it. A combination of speed and power of this type is rare in baseball. No players went 40-40 since 2006. And Ronald Acuna is out here showing you that when he's healthy, he's one of the top players in the game. Showing you that that 2021 Braves team that won the World Series... If they had Ronald Acuna, would have been even better. And the fact that that team won the World Series without him is a testimony to the way they've built that team. Ronald Acuna was the first half favorite for the MVP. I gave him his flowers, and for a while there, I went with my priors. I wanted to see Mookie Betts be the first guy to win it in both leagues, but Ronald Acuna has turned this from a race that was at 1.4 horses to showing everybody who he is and cementing himself, I think, as the National League MVP in our year of 2023. Ronald Acuna's 40-40 season will be remembered forever. The fact that it's 40-60 with the potential to be 40-70 is absolutely outrageous. And he's a guy that's played in almost all of the Braves' games. Just incredible his contract is going to be looked at as one of the biggest bargains in the history of Major League Baseball, and I expect him to try to restructure that contract after he gets the hardware this offseason. But his teammate, Freddie Freeman, is our next topic, and it's called first baseman, and it's not just because Freddie Freeman is a first baseman or this is the first base topic, but Freddie Freeman has made history here in his 30s. He's on his second team, and Freddie Freeman's playing the best baseball he's ever played. This is his first 200-hit season of his career. Freddie Freeman is the first player in baseball history 
to have 20 stolen bases and 20 home runs with 200 hits. He's unbelievable. And the guy is pushing to be the first player in a very long time to have 60 doubles in a season. He's one of the best hitters in the game, consummate professional. It's a shame what happened with his agent not letting him know that the Braves increased their offer and signing with the Dodgers, but he looks happy, man. It would have been great to see him in a Braves uniform for the rest of his career, but he looks happy as a Dodger. And he has helped the Dodgers now win 10 National League West titles in the last 11 seasons. He's been part of that back end now. And I expect that if any team beats Ronald Acuna in these stacked Braves, it's going to be the man who was a part of that team with Mookie Betts, who's still going to get MVP votes, with this pitching staff that despite all the injuries has still not been bottom of the league. And it's just amazing that he's not just the first first baseman. He's the first baseman, the first baseball player to be hitting these kind of milestones. And it's just absolutely outrageous that a guy like him having the doubles, having the hits, having the stolen bases, having the home runs, hitting well over 300. And a guy like him might not even be on the mantle for MVP voting because Matt Olson, that fourth horse that kind of fell off, he's been slugging it, man. 54 home runs, I believe, already. And he's someone that I wouldn't be shocked if he gets hot over this last 9, 10 games and ends up hitting 60. It would not shock me one bit. He's been an Iron Man playing in every game. He's swinging for the fences when he's at the plate. And a 60 home run guy, when you're just splitting hairs for who's third place, might end up taking this historic season of Freddie Freeman's and not even getting him as an MVP finalist. So I wanted to give him his flowers one last time as we kind of wrap up this season. But 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 50 doubles, First player to ever do that in baseball history. Absolutely love Freddie Freeman's game. And I just expect him as a fine wine to just keep getting better with age. He's almost like a quarterback in the NFL where at first base with the DH in both leagues, you could just see him playing for a long time. A guy that just knows hitting, knows pitchers, and knows to hit it where they ain't. But the reason this is the best week in Major League Baseball isn't just because you're seeing players hit milestone numbers, their 25th, their 30th, their 40th home run of the season, their 25th, their 30th, their 50th stolen base of the season. This is the best week of the season because of the games that are coming up. Second base is about the series to watch. Tune in. MLB Audio, MLB TV your local network, whatever you need to do, tune into these baseball games because with the league's current wild card setup where there's three wild cards, you truly are looking at postseason baseball a week and a half early. And I just wanted to highlight some of these teams that are just absolutely in it and the road that they have to take to get there. I talked about the Orioles clinching the playoffs for the first time since 2016. 
And they're right there with the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays are still trying to win that division title. And that's huge because whichever team wins the AL East is going to get the bye. Doesn't have to play in the wild card round. And I think that's a huge leg up, especially for a team like Tampa. They just lost Brandon Lowe with a fractured kneecap four to six weeks after all the loss they've already taken this season. The Tampa Bay and Toronto, they're trying really hard to win games. Toronto's in the wild card picture. Tampa Bay's trying to win the division, and they're squaring off right now. Toronto took the first game. They have a few more games. But Toronto, they're fighting for their playoff lives. Baltimore, right now, have lost two games to Cleveland. After Cleveland series is done, a couple days, they have the Washington Nationals and the Boston Red Sox to close out the season. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, proud as I can be for a team that's in last place in the best division in baseball. They could play spoiler, but the Orioles are already in the playoffs. And I expect them to not play down completely to their competition, to win games that they need to, and probably win this division. But Tampa could play spoiler and take that division crown away from the O's. And that would just be amazing postseason baseball before we even get into October. The other division that is very much in the wildcard conversation is the AL West. The Central, it's the Twins. Cleveland staying alive, but they're not going to win the division. Texas has reclaimed the AL West crown for the first time since August 24th. They're playing great baseball. And what's great about their rest of the stretch is the team that's one game behind them in both the wild card and the division is the Seattle Mariners. And they have to play the Seattle Mariners, not just these last couple games, but their last four games of the season as well. So we're going to get to see Texas and Seattle, two teams that aren't regulars in the postseason, fighting it out in likely a space where the Houston Astros that are right in between them could either steal the division away or end up just losing less games and making the wild card. So Houston's in a great position with this going on. Houston's last series, though, is against the Arizona Diamondbacks, a team that is young. I just talked about 50 stolen bases. Corbin Carroll hit that number along with 25 home runs. 25 home runs and 25 stolen bases. One of eight players in Major League history to do that as a rookie. He's a stud. They're going to be playing for their playoff lives the last four games of the season against Houston. So Houston doesn't have a cakewalk either, but they don't have to play head-to-head with the guys that are in the division in the wildcard race right with them, which is a huge advantage for the defending champs. And I talked about it. Toronto's just in the mix. Right now, they have a one-game lead on Houston for the second wildcard. They're playing fantastic baseball. Kevin Gossman is a Cy Young candidate. Their lineup is legit. And I would not be shocked with their schedule being as light as it can be against the Yankees down the stretch, 
if Toronto ends up making it where one of these AL West teams goes home, and it'll likely be Texas or Seattle because they have so many games head-to-head. They can't tie. They can't both win. So it's going to be really interesting to watch the AL wildcard, but the nationally wildcard, while not as high of quality, is even deeper. So you have the Philadelphia Phillies that are starting to pull ahead. They have some easy games here against the Mets. Five-game lead in the wild card with 10 to go. Arizona is in the second wild card at the moment. But like I said, they have the gauntlet. They have the defending champs playing against Houston in the last four games of the season. With the Cubs right there, Miami's one game back. Cincinnati's one and a half games back. San Francisco and San Diego, who have both had disappointing Septembers, three and four games back. If things break right, one of them could sneak in. And it's just absolutely insane looking at this because depending on which of these teams make the playoffs could completely change how the direction of those teams go. The Cubs decided not to sell to deadline. They bought. But are they going to blow things up? Are they going to double down into this core if this team misses the playoffs? We're going to find out. Miami, typical seller. They bought a batting title hitter during the offseason, and they bought during the trade deadline. Cheap pieces like Josh Bell and Jake Berger, who have been fantastic power additions to a lineup desperately needing it. The Cincinnati Reds were the hottest team in baseball at the time. Ellie De La Cruz lit the baseball world on fire and has sizzled out. And this Reds team is still one and a half games back in the wild card. They will be hoping that Joey Votto comes back. And Joey Votto definitely will probably want to come back if they miss the playoffs. If they make the playoffs and go on a run, Joey Votto might see where the team falls short, might just say that I got the taste of postseason baseball one more time, I'm good. But Cincinnati has a lot of things going forward, too, as a team that hasn't been willing to spend. They were just getting guys off waivers and paying their contracts that way. They weren't willing to spend in free agency. Will a young team like Arizona, like Cincinnati, really spend this offseason? Get an ace in there. Get a middle-of-the-order bat. Do something big to take this team that has been an exciting, better-than-expected wild card and putting them over the top making them a division threat. Because right now, the National League Central, Milwaukee's has a fine lead. I mean, they could completely collapse and the Cubs could somehow win the division. Cincinnati could somehow win the division. But they're right there. 88 wins. That division is the most open of them. The Dodgers, 10 out of 11 division titles. The Braves, six straight division titles. There's not just less good teams in the National League, like serious World Series contenders. There are also less parity. The AL East, you could see it this offseason. The Yankees or Red Sox act like the Yankees or Red Sox. They get a big trade done, a big signing done. And instead of being in the bottom of the division, they're right up there with the Orioles, the Rays, the Blue Jays. That division can shuffle. The AL West... 
Seattle's got a young core. Texas has a core that's paid. Houston is Houston. You can see some parity there. But they're all good. And the thing with the nationally wild card is you know Philadelphia is good. They made that run to the World Series. Last year, they added to that roster. They have hitters everywhere. But when you talk about Arizona, you talk about Chicago, you talk about Miami, Cincinnati, even San Francisco for that matter, there are these teams that, with the new wildcard setup, they're good enough, but is good enough going to be what they sell their fan base on? The worst place you can be in sports is in the middle. A fringe playoff team. And what's great about this week is you're going to get to see a lot of teams that just give up the bag. A lot of teams that go out there and get it. And a lot of teams that will change their future in just a short span. We watch this season for months. We follow these players, these coaches, these strategies, these signings, these trades, these call-ups. And it all comes down to this last week of baseball. And I hope you all take some time I know football season is just starting to get into swing. I love to watch it on my Sundays as well. Big fantasy football guy, big football fan. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that. But man, this kind of baseball that we're going to get these last couple weeks with these teams that are playing for something, these teams that aren't playing for something that might want to play spoiler or let their young kids play and maybe play spoiler accidentally, it's going to be can't miss baseball. And I hope you're all ready for it. I'm trying to prime you for it. Divisional matchups, playoff teams, fringe playoff teams, playing down the wire, trying to get those buys, trying to get those wild card spots. You don't want to miss a second of it. Appreciate Mark, Hugo, everyone that's been in the chat. But we have a throwback third base section and I always like to throw back to a moment or a day in sports history that just left a mark. And there were a ton of great ones for this date. I talked about it earlier. Jose Canseco became the first 40, 40 player in baseball history in 1988. That was very topical with Ronald Acuna just doing it. There was also the Tris speaker double that hasn't happened until maybe Freddie Freeman hitting 60. But when you just look at the history of baseball and moments that truly will be remembered forever, I'm throwing it back to just a year ago today and reminding you about something that I think got the respect and love it deserves, but we're very quick to forget about things in the sports world. The news cycle, it moves so quickly. You move on to the next thing. People retire, people slump, people break out. Things happen in sports. But on this date in baseball history, Albert Pujols hit a 700th career home run at Dodger Stadium, becoming the fourth player to ever do it. And that's amazing to me, not just because I'm a huge fan of Albert Pujols. You've seen that from the waiting screen on my header on YouTube. I'm a big Albert Pujols fan. One of the best players I've ever watched. But Albert Pujols, Story of 700 home runs isn't just that he hit one on the state, but it has to go back to the 2022 season. And he's a player that for the last 
you can say six, seven years of his career was a below average hitter. A guy who would hit for power, but not much else. A guy whose OPS plus wasn't much over 100. And he signs with the St. Louis Cardinals after making a little postseason run with the Dodgers the year before and announces that'll be his final season. He went back home to finish his career. And that made me so happy. Not every player gets to do that. And the fact that he had the opportunity to play with Yachty and go back to the city of St. Louis was amazing. And the fact that 700 home runs was in the range of outcomes was amazing with how much he has slumped from his prime years in St. Louis originally. And he comes out in the first half of the season. That picture that I showed is from my birthday last year when I went to go see him at Fenway and he got honored before the game. His first half of the season, he was batting 215, six home runs, and 17 RBIs. As a platoon hitter against lefties, a guy who would DH, play first base every once in a while, in his 40s, not awful, but not going to cut it for 700 home runs, not going to go out as the machine. And what does he do in the second half of the season? After being in the home run derby, knocking off Kyle Schwarber, who is the major league leader in home runs, he comes out in the second half and is one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. 323 batting average, 18 home runs, 48 RBIs. He helped propel the St. Louis Cardinals team that we've seen crash and burn this year to the postseason and walked away on his own terms in the 700 home run club. Babe Ruth was a unicorn. Guy who was an amazing pitcher, became the best slugger of all time. Hank Aaron was an amazing human being. A guy who dealt with adversity, never put up the gaudy numbers, but was just a consummate professional, came to work every day, kept his head held high, and broke that record. Barry Bonds, maybe the most talented hitter of all time. We know why he's in the 700 home run club, though. But Albert Pujols, the machine, who's going to be the fifth Dominican player to make the Hall of Fame in four years, is one of the greatest hitters that ever lived. One of the greatest ambassadors for baseball. I'm so glad to see him working with MLB Network, working post-game coverage of games. And I feel like him hitting 700 home runs didn't completely sink in for everybody. 500 home runs punches your ticket to Cooperstown sans steroids. The fact that we had the opportunity to see someone in this era play long enough and play well enough to get the 700, we may never see it again. Even with people swinging the launch angles, trying to hit home runs as their only goal, we may never see it again. So I just want to tip my cap to Albert Pujols, the future Hall of Famer. I wanted to remind all of you that that day in Dodger Stadium is one of the most historically significant moments of this entire decade in baseball. And I definitely wanted to throw back to that moment and share it with all of you. The pretty much amazing thing about baseball with these new rules 
is that the game is growing. And I wanted to kind of end the show with this because we're talking about how an amazing moment happened last year. We're talking about players that are having historic seasons that haven't been done ever or in many years. And talking about all these teams that are still in it, all these markets and fan bases that have something to cheer for here at the end of September. And the game's growing. Attendance is up 9% across the major leagues. It's the highest increase in any year since 1998. And I know I've talked about steroids. I've talked about home runs. Chicks dig the long ball. Everyone knows what the summer of 98 meant for baseball and why it meant that for baseball. We're having historical growth here. And this isn't a season where the Yankees and the Red Sox are in the bottom of the AL East. This is in a year where the Dodgers didn't spend in the offseason and have had the most days spent on the IL in baseball. We're talking about a year where teams that haven't been relevant in a decade have had spurts, and some are still in the postseason picture, whether that be Pittsburgh's early season dominance, the Cincinnati Reds' midseason dominance, or a team like Arizona that's been in it the whole dang time. The game's growing, and I'm just so happy to see it. As a young baseball fan, I understand that it, it plays second fiddle in the national media to football, sometimes third fiddle to the NBA. These players, this game, it's international. The fact that these rules are changing to make the games not just more exciting with the bigger base pads and the lack of the shift, but the fact that they're getting done so much faster. Baseball's average game used to be over three hours, and so far this season, it's about two hours and 39 minutes. I've seen some games push closer to two hours than to three. And that is just unbelievably great for baseball. I think baseball's biggest problems going forward is going to be marketing. You have this international game. You have talent. You have a postseason structure where more teams are in it now than ever have been for a playoff spot. You need to market your players. You need to market your sport. And with expansion on the horizon, I believe in the next five to six years, we will have two new teams in Major League Baseball. This is the perfect time to set into place a way to get away from these local TV contracts, stop the blackouts, and get the game out there for everyone. They started letting players wear customized cleats. Baseball's social media game, whether it's individual teams or the MLB direct accounts, has increased so much in the time that I've been covering baseball back to my college radio days. But if you want to see true change, you want to see this 9% spike, not just be a highlight in the chart. You want to see it being a trend. You need to market this game. You need to market these players and you need to make the game accessible to everyone. There's big guys out there like Stephen A. Smith saying that a team could be top five in attendance in baseball and there's still empty seats in the stands. And that could be very well true. It's the summer sport. And I don't know how many of you take trips during the summer, have other things going on, whether it's spending time with your families, 
things involved with work. But summer isn't always convenient for everybody. It's a 162-game season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. If baseball only had 17 games in a season, I bet you those seats would be a lot more packed. And I'm just seeing this brand of baseball, this exciting brand of baseball where there's more home runs, more stolen bases, more base hits, more strikeouts, all the things that you want to see. And I think they have a chance to climb back, maybe never into the number one spot. The NFL, they just market the sport right. They have the most condensed season, and they just market the heck out of it. But competing, instead of just being America's pastime, being looked at as America's game again. And what's so great about it is you see the teams wearing these sponsored patches on their shoulder For the first time in years, they're allowing teams to do that. And it's giving me very big MLS soccer vibes. And if you're going to take a page out of the playbook, you shouldn't just be looking at the sports that are doing it better than you here. But you should be looking at basketball to an extent, but more so soccer in the international level. How can you grow the game internationally? And you're seeing games being played in London, games being played in Mexico. They're going to grow this game and they're on the right path. I just hope that they continue to do things right. They continue to market things. And the biggest thing for me going forward, the biggest thing that can make this not just a pop year, that it takes another 25 years to have another spike this big. Stop the blackouts. Let the game be for everybody. And just show everybody how great this game is. Because I've loved it since I was a kid. And I know there's so many people that if they get the opportunity to see it, you'll have baseball fans for life. I appreciate each and every one of you for spending part of your Saturday or week with me listening to this after the fact. You can follow me on TikTok at Sports for daily home run updates. I'll be recording and posting yesterday's highlights after the show. For more baseball content, sports takes, etc., you can follow me on the app formerly known as Twitter at DominicManda44. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you found the show entertaining, relatable, actionable, please like, subscribe, comment, and share with somebody that loves the sport as much as we do. Appreciate each and every one of you. Catch you guys next Solo Shot Saturday.